Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Sexology Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today, we're going to talk about all the issues outside the bedroom that gets in the way of you guys having fantastic, passionate sexual experiences inside the bedroom. What I discovered throughout years of working with couples who are coming in to me for sex therapy some of the time, what I notice, it's not like one of the partners, they don't know what her or his partner wants. Most people in long-term relationship, they had this conversation over and over that like, this is what I want. And there is something happening in that dynamic that gets in the way of the partner, your partner giving you what you want. So perhaps it's either Uh, you're doing something that gets in the way or the communication is not clear or what you're asking is at times is conflicting with the person's internal narrative and stories. So I thought it would be very helpful to invite the marriage and family therapist to talk to us about his experiences of working with couples. We're going to talk about what are some of the common issues that couples have and how you can work through some of these challenges. Our guest is one of my favorite licensed marriage and family therapists, Shane Burkle. He is a therapist in private practice near Boston. He works primarily with couples and is certified relational life therapist with Terry Real as his mentor. Shane hosts a weekly podcast called The Couples Therapist Couch that is all about the practice of couples therapy. He is the creator of the Couples Therapist Inner Circle, which is a membership site supporting therapists in their work with couples. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Shane Burkle. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to have Shane Burkle on our show. He's one of my favorite couple therapists. Shane, welcome to our show. Hey, Nazani. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm very excited too, because before we started recording, I was sharing with you that sometimes people coming in to my practice for sex therapy, but the issue is not knowing what their partner wants. Sexual is just other stuff outside the bedroom, which cause some issues for couples to kind of really showing up in the bedroom. So tell us a little bit about the challenges that you see relationally when it comes to couple that might impact their sexual functioning. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I appreciate about your podcast is that, well, I think there's this idea in couples therapy that if we just fix the relationship, then the sex will fall right into place. Or if if we fix the emotional connection, then the sex will fall right into place. And I don't think that's true. And I think it's good for sex therapists have done a really good job of bringing that more into the conversation. Actually, when we focus on the sex, that sometimes that helps the whole relationship and, you know, it's more holistic thinking about it. But, but with that being said, I do think that there are oftentimes when the 
emotional connection can have a huge impact mm -hmm. on couples' sex life. So things that people don't even realize that they're doing in their relationship can have a huge impact on, on their sex life in a negative way. And so, you know, I think when we, when, when we come into a relationship, we have all these expectations for what it should be and how amazing our partner is going to be and how they're going to complete us. And for a lot of people, there does happen to be a honeymoon period, which, mm -hmm. which can last anywhere from a couple months to a couple years. You know, it's different for everyone. And there's all these great hormones flowing like mm -hmm. oxytocin and dopamine and serotonin. And it makes it so that it feels, we feel very connected to our partner. We feel very forgiving about any of their flaws. And the sex is often pretty good. So, but then people begin to think that this is how a relationship should be. Mm -hmm. And that it, it's not, that's usually not really based in reality. I have people tell me that they, they feel that way forever. And I, I, I'm happy for them. But for most people, it doesn't really continue like that. And, and what's really important for people to understand is that that's totally normal to, to be accepting of that reality and that it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with your relationship. And part of what, part of what we do when we get into a relationship is we begin to depend on our partner for how we feel about ourselves. And a little bit of that is okay. I mean, we can support each other. We can be there for each other. But when problems start to happen in their relationship, when normal things in reality that are difficult come up, or our partner has a different perspective than us, all of a sudden we start thinking, Am I doing, I'm doing something wrong, or my partner's doing something wrong, or I get defensive, or I withdraw. And then it begins to make these relationship dynamics play out. And we lose sight of the fact that we're responsible for our own needs or our own feelings and that we are a wonderful, amazing human being for ourselves. Mm -hmm. no matter if my partner's mad at me for forgetting to take out the trash or not. And I, and I can talk more about that as far as um, our, our feeling of self-worth and being grounded in reality is really important to the ability to set emotional boundaries with our partners. Mm -hmm. Well, and I agree with you that at times I, it's common that at least I see that sometimes the relationship is good and people are talking about, okay, we're now like siblings and sex is kind of getting impacted. But other side of things, as you mentioned, other challenges are that people have unrealistic expectation about how they need to feel or they should quote unquote feel when they are in a relationship. He must or she must anticipate my need. I need to be at this kind of place of euphoria all the time. So I love that you're talking about kind of focusing on ourselves and focusing to meet our needs versus kind of putting it on our partners. So I think that's a fantastic point. Yeah. And even in those kind of sexless marriages, I don't know if that's the right term for it, or marriages where they're, they're, they're feeling like they don't, they're just roommates, they're just friends. I would say, you know, and, and I do a lot of connecting it back to what you grew up mm -hmm. with in your family. A lot of times what happens in those relationships is that one or both partners grew up in a family where they were avoiding conflict a lot. And so they, they kept, had to keep their thoughts and feelings to themselves. And, you know, strong emotions were perceived as dangerous or mm -hmm. stressful or scary. And so we, we, we want to avoid strong emotions at all costs. And sometimes it's really important for those to 
sort of give those couples permission to look, mm-hmm. it's important to say what you want, mm-hmm. you know, and I use this examples often, oftentimes it's like, if your partner says that they want to go have Chinese food and every time they say that you just go along with it and you say, yeah, sure. That sounds good. That sounds mm-hmm. fine. What happens is you think that you're doing a nice thing by going along with what your partner wants. And sometimes it is nice, but what happens is over time there, it really starts to impact the intimacy mm-hmm. between the partners because I'm not really saying what I want because I really want Mexican food sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm never really bringing that up with my partner. And I'm ne- and uh, my partner begins to lose the sense of even knowing me. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of that. What I would say is me having a hard time owning my reality. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of catering to my partner and what my partner wants in order for me to not be rejected or in order for me to not create conflict because mm-hmm. it's I'm making that decision probably based in fear mm-hmm. instead of based in my reality and what I really want. Mm-hmm. And I think as you said, like authenticity sounds like it's very important because you're absolutely right that at times many people learn to be kind of more accommodating or not voicing their opinion and they kind of scared that if they share that with the partner, their, their their voice will not be welcome and they would lose their relationship. But in contrary, you're right that as far, when you're bringing it up, you you kind of showing up more authentically with your partner and you give the opportunity for the partner to meet your needs. Because I don't know, 20 years of going to Chinese food, <laughs> that can <laughs> yeah. be very challenging. I mean, yeah. if you're in a first month of dating, you might kind of be okay with kind of suppressing that. But I think as the relationship evolves, it's really important to kind of show up as yourself and kind of give your voice to your needs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I, I use the word self-esteem a lot. I know that's kind of loaded and people might have different ideas about that, but I'll, I'll use that to describe it. I think all of us have some lack of self-esteem. And, and let me, what, what it means is that we, we question that reality that we're amazing, wonderful, good people, mm-hmm. that we feel like we have to prove ourselves, that we feel like we have to earn it, or that it's not just that I made a mistake, it's that I am a mistake, mm-hmm. you know, at the core. Mm-hmm. And so there are different ways that we build up our self-esteem, uh, I would say in unhealthy ways. Mm-hmm. Like for men, a lot of times it happens to be performance-based esteem. Mm-hmm. I'm enough and I matter because of how I perform in the world. If I can run the fastest or if I can close the deal or if I can make a lot of money or if I can give my partner an orgasm or whatever, it's like I'm basing my self-esteem on how I'm performing in the world, mm-hmm. which is dangerous. It's a dangerous mm-hmm. thing to do. For, for women, it's off, oftentimes it's other-based esteem. And it could, you know, all of us do all of them, but other-based esteem is I'm enough and I matter because you think I am, mm. you know, and so I'm going, that might be like the restaurant example I was mm. giving. Uh, I'll just go along with whatever you say. I'll cater to your needs. And I'm going to, I'm a little bit fearful about bringing my voice into the situation because mm. I'm trying, I'm trying to avoid conflict. Mm. And so the, 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 the third one that I would mention is uh, attribute-based esteem. I'm enough and I matter because I look good. I'm enough and I matter because I have a nice car, because I have the perfect family. It's about what I have makes me feel good about myself. And so all of those things are sort of fueling 
our self-esteem instead of that esteem coming from within us. And so if I'm really based in that and my partner comes home and says, hey, honey, did you take the trash out? Then I start getting really insecure. Like I might, I might, if I'm having a hard time with my self-esteem, I might say, I can't believe you're asking me about this again. Don't you know how busy I've been today? I'm getting defensive. I'm, I'm dismissing her reality. And it becomes very difficult to connect at that point because I'm coming from fear. She's questioning me and, and now I feel like I have to prove myself. Mm. And so when I have that healthy self-esteem that's coming from within me, she could say that and I can stay present with her and have good boundaries. That's where I, I can start to talk about boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's about, she could even walk in and say, hey, you're, you're, such a, you're so lazy, you never take the trash out, what's wrong with you? But if I have those good boundaries, I take a deep breath mm-hmm. and I say, wow, she must have had a bad day. This isn't about me. This is her inability to communicate. And I might say, oh, honey, I'll take care of the trash. Why don't you go sit down and I'll start making dinner too. Mm-hmm. But this ability to stay, I'm, I'm staying present with her. Mm-hmm. Dream and so husband. I, what's that? <laughs> Dream husband. <laughs> yeah. That's like once a month that I can do that. <laughs> if I had a really good day that day. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so that's, what, that's how I think about boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so all, none of us are perfect at this, right? We all have uh, a hard time with these boundaries. Mm-hmm. But the, more, the better my boundaries are, the more I can connect with my partner and be present with her. Mm-hmm. And when I think people tend to be, some people tend to be a little bit more walled off. Mm-hmm. So they protect themselves, they withdraw, they tend to go within themselves and run away from conflict. Mm-hmm. And some people tend to be a little bit more boundary-less. Mm-hmm. We all fall somewhere on that scale. Mm-hmm. And they, they believe that they're entitled to, you know, blame their partner for everything mm-hmm. that's wrong in their life, something like that. Well, I, I, I think it's very important for individuals to kind of like focus on building their self-esteem, as you mentioned, and kind of feeling like oh, I'm, I'm worthy regardless of what situation and what kind of a relationship I'm in. I think that's crucial. I think the other thing that I see a lot is people continuously doing the kind of more of the same. Kind of like they've been kind of doing this cycle of like whether kind of catering or not catering or kind of nagging. And there's just like they stuck in that cycle and they, they're doing the same thing and they want this the kind of different results. So, for example, I, I see that at times uh, people that who are, as you said, like they are like too accommodating, they don't have enough boundaries and doing more of the same. But I think part of it comes from lack of insight not knowing like some of these things are subconscious or unconscious coming from our childhood. So how can we assess ourselves about like, as far as where are we in this continuum? Yeah, I think you're totally right. You know, we get stuck in these patterns and it just plays, keeps playing out and it feels so hard to break away from it. Mm -hmm. And so in the way that I work, we do a lot, we do a lot of checking reality, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think it's, it's important to get really specific mm-hmm. because what happens is I, I start to think whatever I grew up with in my family, I think is normal. And my brain developed in a way to think that that's what I should expect. So mm-hmm. if everyone in my family was really quiet and didn't say much and didn't talk about emotions, mm-hmm. then I think that that's a normal way to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Now for my partner, 
maybe everyone in, in her family was really loud and talkative and talking about their emotions all the time and too much. Mm -hmm. And so we, be, we get into a relationship together. And what happens is we get stuck in this pattern where we both get home from work and she wants to talk all the time and talk about her day and tell me everything and it's loud. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like overwhelming. I can't, I can't stay with, I can't be in this conversation. The more she talks, the more I just want to withdraw and get away from it. Mm -hmm. And the more I, I try to get away from it, withdraw, the more she feels hurt and wants to keep talking. And so that's, that would be an example of a pattern that we get mm -hmm. stuck in. Mm -hmm. In order to break away from that, we have to get really good at saying, expressing what we want from not about what's true, not about what's right, but about this is what works for me and this mm -hmm. is what doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. So I, and it takes a lot of that self-esteem that I was talking about, a lot of those healthy boundaries. If, and a lot of times it's good to talk about it outside of the situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my wife and I are having a date night and I'm thinking about how every day when we get home, I'm forced into like a half hour conversation and I'm exhausted and I'm having a hard time focusing. Mm -hmm. So I might say like, while we're on our date night, I might say, Hey honey, there's this part of our experience mm -hmm. that I've been thinking a lot about. And I'd like to make a plan because I know you love to talk mm -hmm. about your day right when you get home from work, mm -hmm. but I'm having a really hard time with that. It's not because you're doing anything wrong. It's because that just doesn't work for me. You know, you know how crazy my family was. We never talked about anything. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I, so I have a hard time with that. It's something I'm working on. Mm -hmm. But it would be really helpful for me if when I got home from work, if I could just have 15 minutes to go just zone out by myself, maybe go take a walk by myself and just have some time to clear my head mm -hmm. before I re-engage in family life because that's just something about me that would be helpful. And I love that you gave the context when you were talking about it, that this is where I'm coming from, honey. It's not about you. It's more about where, how I grew up and how I process things. So your partner, if I was your partner, I wouldn't feel rejected hearing that, that statement. So I think that that was very helpful. The other thing that, as you were saying that, I was thinking about that's so important in long-term relationship, knowing that your partner cannot meet all of your needs, right? So if you need to process things, you might kind of, he cannot be, or she cannot be your friends, your counselor, your accountant, your lover, all of those roles. And sometimes you need to have different resources in place because at times, you know, uh, people have different way of processing things. And if you only have kind of rely on your partner for meeting all of those needs, you will get disappointed. And I think it's really important to not put too much expectation in the relationship to the relationship and your partner. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes me think about something I'm, I meant to talk about, but I forgot. So I'm glad you brought that up again, because it's like that honey coming out of that honeymoon phase, there's this expectation that my partner can just, and, and again, this is a, um, this is a belief. It's not, it's not true or real, but it might be a belief that I have that my partner is supposed to, you know, in my family, you know, my mom always took care of all the finances. Mm -hmm. So I have this belief that once I get married, that my wife is going to take care of all the finances or something like that. That's a belief. It's not true. It doesn't mean if she doesn't want to do that, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with our relationship, but that's what we do. Right. Mm -hmm. In the example that I was giving about talking when we get home from work, 
Like it would be very easy for me to slide into what's wrong with you? Why do you always want to talk so much? And it becomes about blame and judgment and criticizing the other, the other person. So I'm saying my truth or my reality is right. And what you want is wrong. And so that's what we, we often slide into. And that's when we don't, when we don't have a good self-esteem, it's like either I'm wrong or you're wrong. And I don't want to be the one who's wrong. So I'm going to be defensive and criticize you about what you're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. That's what most of us do. Mm -hmm. And so like you're saying, it's really important for me to express, I would really appreciate if you could take care of the finances, that would be really helpful for me. And then what happens when she says, no, I don't want to do that at all. No, thank you. I was hoping (laughs) you would take care of it. Um, And then, so then we have an issue that we have to work through. Mm -hmm. And so Part of being in a, in a healthy adult relationship is getting through that honeymoon phase and then realizing that your partner's not perfect, realizing that they leave the toilet seat up and they leave the toothpaste open mm-hmm. and they have warts and moles and imperfections mm-hmm. and, and still deciding that there are enough good things about this relationship that I want to stay in it. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. We'll never, we'll never be 25 again. And like, you know, whatever great things about that, not having kids, having more sex, whatever things like that. I have to grieve the relationship that I want, the perfect relationship where I'm getting everything and say, look, that's not really based. That's not based in reality. There are people who chase that their whole life. You know, they go from one relationship to another. Maybe they last about two years each. And they're, they end up being really unhappy, depressed, because they're chasing something that's not real. Mm-hmm. So we can shoot for really good relationships, but we have to have reasonable expectations that I understand if I'm not getting everything I need, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong in my relationship. It means that I just need to have a more realistic perspective. Mm-hmm. I need to be accepting of my reality. I need to be understanding of my partner. Mm-hmm. And it really helps take the pressure off the situation. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are situations where it's not good or healthy. And partners, it's a, sometimes it is a good decision to leave a relationship, mm-hmm. of course. But I'm talking about the normal stuff, yeah. Right. And there are, you're right that there are exceptions like in like domestic violence or abuse, those kind of situations that people need to leave. But you're right that sometimes I notice that people kind of want to be in that fantasy of high excitement and high rush of like early phase of relationship. And when the relationship deepens and the bond deepens, but the excitement lessens, they they get scared. You know, as you were talking about financial situation, I was thinking about, I can say one of the number one reason beside the sexual challenges that I see impacting people's sex lives are the financial issues. Kind of the stories that they have differently around money. And it's just that that resentment and frustration around financial issues are killing people's sex lives. Do you have any recommendation around that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting to look at because when we're talking about finances, Mm -hmm. there's so much psychological and emotional baggage that most of us have. Same thing with sex, Mm -hmm. you know, in the way that we're socialized in our society, in the way that our most of our parents and families didn't do a great job of talking to us about these things. And so we are, we have, we have this psychological baggage. And so when I'm 
talking about finances with my partner, I think that I'm talking about finances, mm-hmm. but, but it's usually about something so much deeper. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I'll tell people, look, you're, you're just talking about numbers. Mm-hmm. You're talking about addition, subtraction. We're talking mm-hmm. about making a budget. We're talking about where it's coming in, where it's going out. Mm-hmm. If you are having emotions come up, then it's about something else. Mm-hmm. All of us would agree that we're not going to have a lot of emotions coming up when we're doing math problems. <laughs> um, and so what, what, when you start talking about money with your partner and you start feeling some emotion coming up, mm-hmm. you, what you want to do is take a deep breath and slow down. We want to slow that down and say, wow, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. Because money is, is really... It is a really important thing. It's connected to my security. Mm-hmm. It's connected to my ability to provide for my family, for my children. Mm-hmm. It's connected to my ability to have freedom in my life, to have control over making decisions about the things I want to do. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's a really deep, there's some really deep themes there mm-hmm. that are so much, so much richer and, and more raw than it just being about the money. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to do is try to pinpoint where that's coming from. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is where, you know, if we want to talk about family of origin, mm-hmm. oftentimes there are two ways that we are influenced in our adult life by what we went through in our family. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we really make, break it down, we either model what we saw in our family or we react and we do something opposite than what we saw in our family. So if my parents, let's say, were really um, not good with money and, you know, they didn't have steady work all the time and they, they just weren't very responsible and didn't take it very seriously and we were always kind of in poverty and they, they, they weren't taking enough responsibility for the financial situation to provide for the children mm-hmm. in that case. A reaction to that would be for me as a kid, I end up being really good with money or I end up being really good at saving money or something because I grew up in that situation and I react to it. I never want to feel that sense of insecurity and poverty again. So I end up, money becomes something that's very important to me. Mm-hmm. Or that I grew up in that family and I, I model what I saw and I am just end up not being very good with money and not taking it very seriously. So it could go either way. Mm-hmm. But we all have values that we take from our families and we bring that into our relationship and our partner could have a completely different value. Mm-hmm. That's also just as important. It's like, let's say that one partner, uh, for them, it's really important to have experiences. It's really important to sign their kids up for sports and for camps and to go on vacations. And they, they want to have rich experiences in their family life in the present. Mm-hmm. And for the other partner, they're really concerned with saving for retirement. Mm-hmm. They're really concerned about having a nest egg in case anything happens. Those are both really good values. Mm-hmm. But those two partners are probably going to have some issues and some fights mm-hmm. because one partner is much more comfortable with spending than the other. Mm-hmm. And again, it's really, really important when couples are having these conversations mm-hmm. that they're bringing that really confident, healthy self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I'm enough and I matter. I'm a good person. There are good reasons why I believe this. Mm-hmm. I deserve to have a voice. Mm-hmm. And that so and to, to take away blame and judgment and criticism. Mm-hmm. So that 
and, and oftentimes it's helpful to take turns. Who's mm -hmm. the listener and who's the speaker? Mm -hmm. So when I'm taking, you know, when, when one partner is taking in the other partner's reality, mm -hmm. re it's not that they're agreeing to it. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to understand, okay, this is what's important to you. This is, I really want to understand this. I really want to tell you that I value your perspective, even though it's different from mine. Mm -hmm. So we're not really working. We're not really coming to any conclusions. But the first step is to, to give each other acceptance and understanding in the conversation mm -hmm. and let each other know that we're listening to each other and we value your perspective. There's no right or wrong. This, this, this might not work well for me, mm -hmm. but I'm willing to listen to it because it's important mm -hmm. to you or mm -hmm. something like that. Love that you kind of tied it back to the self-esteem kind of point, because what I see a lot, again, it could be stereotypical, but I see it a lot in my practice in the heterosexual couples that the husband sometimes coming in with the budget that I want to implement this budget. This is how I want things to be. And many of the wives, some of them, they work, some of them, they don't, and they, they become resentful. Because part of them, they feel ambivalent about, okay, maybe I want to follow this because it's going to be good for my family, but it's about, maybe it's about control. So the, it brings up lots of stuff from their family of origin and the stories that they had. And that then in turn, they kind of sabotage things in the bedroom or they control with kind of like not wanting to have sex or kind of like avoiding their kind of intimacy. And that's how they try to kind of cope with it versus kind of talking about it in the same way that this is where I'm coming from with my money story and my point is valid. What can we do? We can kind of work it out based on both of our perspectives. Yeah, that's great. I love that. That's exactly right. And let's let, let me just give an example of what it would look like if it's not working well. Let's say it's a male, a female, so it's a husband and a wife. Mm -hmm. And the husband says, you spend too much money. Why are you ruining my life like this? Why are you, <laughs> why are you controlling me? I mean, that's kind of, people might not say that exactly, but that's mm -hmm. kind of what's implied. Mm -hmm. why, it's, like, it's like, why are you doing this to me mm -hmm. if their partner is spending money? And so what, what, if, what we want to do is get them more based in reality. This is about their anxiety. It's mm -hmm. not about, they, they, and again, this is poor boundaries. I'm blaming my partner for how I feel. Mm -hmm. That's coming from a place of, I think that other people are responsible for how I feel. Mm -hmm. This is um, poor boundaries, poor self-esteem. What I want to do is get really clear with myself. Look, I have anxiety about money. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It makes me good at saving or makes me take these situations seriously. But that's my stuff. Mm -hmm. That's my emotions. That comes from growing up in my family mm -hmm. for whatever reasons. Mm -hmm. And that the more I blame my partner for that, like you were saying, the more she's going to feel a burden, mm -hmm. the burden of that. And it does, it does translate over to the bedroom. Mm -hmm. It does translate over to the sex life. Mm -hmm. That the more that I'm taking responsibility for myself mm -hmm. and my emotions, the more attractive I am because mm -hmm. I'm not feeling like a burden or I'm not, mm -hmm. feel, not, it's not feeling like I'm putting on my pressure on my partner to meet my needs. And so, you know, I talk to people about this with sex all the time mm -hmm. too. If, if one partner tries to initiate sex mm -hmm. and the other person says, you know, I'm just really not in the mood right now. What happens is we often feel a huge amount of rejection mm -hmm. or shame and again, sexes and finances are such loaded things. There's a lot deeper emotions that it's connected to. It's not about the sex. Mm -hmm. That's what I tell people a lot. 
that if I'm feeling that rejection and shame, what I need to do is take a deep breath and, you know, again, I, I, I do this a lot. This might be for another conversation or something, but I have people imagine their eight-year-old self or their 10-year-old self or whatever age and think about a time when they felt rejected or felt like they were being neglected. They weren't getting the attention they needed in their life or something like that. Because oftentimes that, that deep sense of rejection, this goes back to this idea that we have, this unrealistic idea that once I meet my partner, they're going to heal all those wounds mm-hmm. that I had mm-hmm. uh, growing up. They're going to be there for me. Mm-hmm. And I just try to initiate sex, which in my mm-hmm. mind is good for relationships. Mm-hmm. And then they said no. So that must mean there's a problem in their relationship and I feel abandoned. Mm-hmm. And it's like two plus two doesn't equal four. You know, it's, we have to rethink the, the reality of the situation. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling rejected. That, those are my emotions. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean there's anything at all wrong mm-hmm. in the situation. Mm-hmm. And what I want to do is breathe. If I get to the point where I can calmly share that with my partner, that's fine but that it's about if, if we're tying the emotional connection, which is at the heart of what we all want, mm-hmm. connection with someone else. If we're tying that to the sex, it's very mm-hmm. limiting. Mm-hmm. You know, we could probably come up with a list of 10 other ways to feel connected. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of opens up the conversation. Just because this doesn't work for my partner right now doesn't mean that there's anything wrong in mm-hmm. their relationship. Mm-hmm. And the more that I do that work for myself, the more that I'm bringing a more realistic adult self to my partner and to my relationship Mm -hmm. so that I'm doing my work, I'm taking care of myself. And so it's not about putting pressure on them because Mm -hmm. I'm taking care of that eight year old inside of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm not thrusting it on my partner to take care of. Mm -hmm. And I'm bringing my healthy adult self and I'm accepting an understanding of their reality and things that they may or may not want to do mm-hmm. and open to listening to mm-hmm. their perspective. And I think that's fantastic that you have this focus of us people in the relationship to focus on themselves to kind of fix the thing that they can fix. Because oftentimes people coming into the couple therapy say, look, fix the other person. Uh, <laughs> and that's a problem. And although maybe they're contributing to the problem, but there's nothing you can do unless they want to change. So if you are focusing on the things that you can do, like increasing your self-esteem and setting more firm boundaries, as you're mentioning, that can be something you can can be done today. I noticed that we're toward the end of our time and I know your wealth of great information. So this was a teaser for our listeners. So if they want to hear more about you and your great content, what are some of the good places they can find the information? Yeah, absolutely. I have a podcast called The Couples Therapist Couch and it's primarily for couples therapists to learn about how to do good couples therapy, but I've got a lot of feedback from couples as well that it's helpful to learn about relationships just in general. But you can find that at CouplesTherapistCouch.com or it's on app on iTunes. I have, a, I have a practice near Boston, a private practice where I work with couples. And you can look at my practice website at ShaneBurkle.com if you're interested in checking that out too. Excellent. So uh, you guys, you can find a URL in the show notes. Shane, this was very helpful. This was very informative. Thank you for coming on my show. Yeah, thank you so much, Nazanin. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you too. I hope you found my conversation with Shane helpful. I love that he talked about 
how sometimes our confidence might contribute or lack of confidence contributes to how we react toward our partner's request. That's an issue that I see a lot in my practice. Some of my clients, they feel like whenever their partner bringing up something, it's an attack to their personality. I talked about money challenges and uh, many of the couples in my practice they had different money stories. And when the partner even asks slightest questions around money, that can turn into this huge argument. And the other partner kind of connect all sorts of a story attached to it. The same with sex. Anyhow, the other thing I wanted to remind you before we close today is just to make sure you're downloading the checklist that I created a few weeks ago of 101 things that you can do to spice up your relationship today. It has variety of great options. I guarantee that you will not get disappointed with the list. I personally have been incorporating many of those recently because, because of how, how interesting I found like some of the activities are through my research, quote unquote research. Anyhow, I love you for listening to this show. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.